0: Okay, cool. And then my other thing was, did you try the Batman-Superman cereal yet? And what would you think
1: of it? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I ate the chocolate strawberry. I don't associate strawberry with Batman. It's okay. Well, what would you say, Ellen? Blood. <laughs> a blood. She, blood. she said a strawberry is supposed to be blood.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I came home two days ago, I think, and my wife had gone shopping, and she bought the Batman cereal. And I was like, you know, and it looks, it's a cool box. It's just like the, the bat symbol it doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff on it and uh, I tried it and I'm like this is like chocolate strawberry and my first I tried it without any milk and my first thought was like this is just nasty yeah but it's kind of after about two bowls of it because it's like it's Batman I got to finish the box here <laughs> and after about two bowls it's starting to grow on me a little bit but I haven't tried it with milk yet I'm afraid to put milk in <laughs> so. have you tried them yet Ian
2: no oh, um, oh, I don't I don't really like super sweet cereals I mostly <laughs> like the like Wheaties the the really not sweet cereals <laughs> kind of weird
0: maybe they'll come out with a wonderful one that's like plain <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Baron Amazon <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: come on Robin to the Batcave we haven't one moment to lose check me out I'm Robin the boy Wonder are you kidding me this rocks come on old man we've got bad guys you need chasing this is the best day of my life
0: you think you did You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings. Anything to get what he wants.
3: I thought we had the same
0: goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. What's the
3: matter? Lost for words? Expected more? I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you! And you just left me to die! That's not what happened! You always told me, Bruce. Focus on what I want to achieve, and it'll happen. Yeah! We did it! We aced him! I set him up, you take him out! One-two, huh, Batman? Uh You'll be fine. Of course I will. You trained me. I'm
1: impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. The Batman Universe Specials proudly presents Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. A monthly podcast dedicated to the weekly DC Comics series Batman and Robin Eternal. Taking a look and celebrating at the 75-year history of the Robin character. And now, please welcome Rob, Terrence, Ian, and Luke for the Batman Universe Specials Batman and Robin Eternal What's your name?
3: Carrie Carrie Kelly Robin Don't look so stunned, father I thought you'd be tall This was yours? Still is Keep your hands off it, kid Is this what you wore in training? It's what I wore when I went on patrol The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat You don't
2: fool me I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you could be Robin. Well, you can't.
3: I don't need some insipid costume in a bird name. I'm way beyond your kind of simplistic training as you saw tonight.
1: Don't forget, you lost that fight. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the BatmanUniverse.net special's edition of Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. Welcome to episode 4. And welcome to 2016, everybody. So um, I always thought when we were in elementary school hearing like, wow, 2016, that we're going to have the flying cars and all that stuff. And I feel like nothing ever changed after <laughs> 1984 being in elementary school other than, you know, smartphones and things like that. But we're here. It's 2016. Uh, this is the year of Batman versus Superman, so if you can believe it, that is finally here. Star Wars has finally happened, and uh, Batman and Robin Eternal uh, is off to a really good uh, start. I feel like we're finally into the meat and bones of the story, which is, which is really pretty cool. And I was kind of curious how the holiday season was going to treat these issues, and if you've been watching the Facebook page... Um, you might have got the impression that it didn't treat it very good at all. So I'll, I apologize right up front that I kind of let that slip there. But, oh, we're back. Uh, tonight we've got Terrence and Ian. Terrence, how are you doing tonight, sir? Yeah, I'm doing great here in the future of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> that not that always weird? Like when you have to, like, I know at work we have to fill out equipment checklist of uh, make sure the equipment's in working order, and still in that mode of writing 15 and even turning paperwork in and them going, uh, it's 2016. I feel like it takes two or three months to get used to writing uh, the date. and it, it always looks weird when you're like, is it really 16 or are we really that far? Yeah, totally, and...
0: It's funny because, as a teacher, they always like to you know emphasize that we teach the kids twenty first century skills and twenty first and you know they were talking about twenty first century skills from the nineties and it's like hard to believe we're sixteen years into the twenty first century <laughs> yeah. everybody talks about it like it's this thing that's coming, and yet you know we're a decade and a half
1: plus into it, yeah, uh we also have with us tonight Ian, how are you doing tonight, sir
2: doing well I haven't been brainwashed or <laughs> Kidnapped by evil agents wanting to make me into their, uh, murder
0: children. Yeah. Uh, at, okay. way at least you think you have, and you might be a sleeper cell.
1: good yeah, point. Yeah. Maybe I just right. need that electronic signal to trigger me up. Yeah. And you don't know if, if it's Terrence and I that are trying to take you out for <laughs> yeah. doing that. Wait, I mean, which one of you is the one who brought the fear toxin? <laughs> Uh, so as you can tell like the uh, three of us tonight will we're gonna have plenty to say about these uh, issues um, Luke could not be with ton- be with us tonight he has a uh, a family issue to take care of and uh, we're just sending all the 11 uh, thoughts to uh, you tonight Luke for you and your family so uh, hopefully everything uh, goes um, smoothly I guess we'll put it that way so let's uh kind of get right into uh, Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, I'm trying to figure the best way to kind of get into uh, 11 from where we were. Um, I did want to talk about the covers. I think every, the last couple podcasts, I kind of escaped the covers, and I thought the covers on these were, for the most part, pretty cool. Um, Just looking at 11 here, the very, you know, the psychedelic look here, um, I didn't kind of know what to expect when I picked this issue up. Um, if it's going to be, you know, kind of what the issue is about. There's a lot going on between uh, the mind-melding here of the uh, of Harper and uh, uh, Dick as they're going kind of through like their, <laughs> I kept thinking like the Vulcan mind-meld is the thing that kept popping into my <laughs> my head as we were uh, looking at this. What do you guys think kind of like right off the bat, look at the cover, and then just kind of the story overall before we really kind of jump into uh, this particular issue? Uh, Terrence?
0: Uh, We got uh, issues 11, 12, 13, and 14, 14. and I thought all of the covers were really great, really awesome, and they're all kind of unique. It's not like sometimes you get a cool cover, and then the next four issues are cool, but they're all kind of just sort of a little repetitive. These uh, all four are are a little bit different, uh, three different artists, um, and they all have a different vibe, and they all go really well with what's going on with the issue And what I like in a cover is where the artwork looks really cool. It gives you sort of the feel of the issue but doesn't give anything away about the issue. Like I've seen some covers where it actually like tells you the ending on the cover or – the cover really has absolutely nothing to do what happens in the issue, you know, or I can't tell you how many times I've bought a cover of some other book because Batman's on the cover. Ooh, Batman's on it. And he's, he doesn't appear to like the last panel. And no, Batman's actually in the next issue. So these covers I thought were really great because they, they all have that feel of the issue. They all have great artwork, but they don't actually, you know spoil anything for you and they only just enhance the story and this like retro 60s vibe was really cool i could see this in like a poster on somebody's dorm room in like 1968 in berkeley or something like that
1: yeah i, I wanted to get black lights for 11 and see if <laughs> yeah. i get some real you know psychedelic images out of it uh, yeah uh, Ian, what do you think
2: uh i totally agree with uh terrence the covers this for this last month were really excellent um I, in my review for, um, issue 11, I said it reminded me a lot of, um, the posters of the French artist Henri Toulouse-de-Lautrec, um, just with that really bright orange and glaring, uh, color scheme and the, and the sense of sort of distortions, like distorted figures. I mean, you have the, the Dick Grayson with mini Dick Grayson's popping out of his legs and, uh... It's it's really interesting and a lot more interesting than I would have expected since, um, to me, Guillaume March uh, really feels more like a, a cheesecake type of comic artist, but I think he's gotten a lot better in the last several years. Um, so this was, this was kind of a, a real surprise for me just based on my experience with his previous work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When uh, I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Terrence. I was going to say,
0: yeah, when I think of him, I think of his run on um, – the covers from Gotham City Sirens, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah, you know, those covers were great, I thought, but they were definitely like pinup material more so than like cool '60s psychedelics. So this is pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it, and it totally fits with what happens in the issue.
1: Yeah, let's let's just get into this. Um, <laughs> uh, Harper in this, I found really kind of hilarious. Actually, in these issues, her sense of humor, I think, has really been kind of. Worked on and flushed out more than it has been. Where it just not, doesn't seem like, okay, we need to insert a joke here. That she's got, you know, she makes a comment about her hair. Like, really, is my costume that transparent? Is it the hair? You know, and, and all that type of stuff. That you know, uh, we're going back and forth using our superhero names. Are we not using our superhero names? I thought that was really kind of uh, funny. And she really kind of seems uh, like a fish out of water. Like, I don't, I don't understand. At all what's going on here, and as she's kind of getting into uh, the mind meld here, uh, what you guys think about uh, how the story is relayed to us and that even Dick is kind of telling Harper, you don't need to be doing this, and Harper's like, I- I've got... Basically, I've got nothing to hide, but Dick, you do, and uh, Dick's a little comment of, like, you know, this is a vault, and the vault's in the ocean, it's on the bottom of the floor, you know, you're not getting inside my head, and then, of course, later that turns on. What do you guys think about just this, you know, opening banter between um, Harper and Dick, and, you know, um, I want to keep calling her a sculptor. Is she the sculptor? No. No, she is the sculptor. Yeah, she's a sculptor. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: You know, when, when in this f- series first started, I was kind of like, well, who's going to be the breakout character from the series and who's go- going to use this series as sort of like a springboard to maybe their own series or, or becoming uh, like a fan favorite? And I was like, well, I wonder if it'll be, you know, they, when they first said San Dumas, I'm like, oh, it might, it might be the new Asriel or, um, you know, I might cassandra Kane in here or even spoiler but i think it's going to be bluebird and harper Rowe. i mean she seems to really sort of come into her own she's really likable she's really useful and strong but yet vulnerable at the same time and uh there's a friend of mine at work who's been he's not a dc guy he's a marvel guy but um since i've been picking this up i've been letting him uh borrow it and read it and he's he's really liked the series and he keeps saying harper Row, you know he that's the one he likes the most and keeps asking me questions about her like who is she where did she come from what is you know what's her background how did she get in there um so i i think they've done a great job with her and i and i this whole um thing with uh you know how they kind of told the backstory of mother i thought was a pretty good and interesting way to actually because they had a lot they needed to talk about mother and tell about and it's and i thought this was a, a really good way to tell the backstory of mother tell where it's all coming from in this issue and in issue uh, 12 again and but also in a way that dick grayson and harper would know about it so that they can then tell everybody else as well
1: yeah i thought in lesser hands uh, ed Brenson's a uh, script if i'm saying that right uh this could have come off really cheesy and corny and taken the book kind of in a spiral downward that it didn't need to go so I thought oh we're going to do like this Vulcan mind meld thing here in the first opening panels and I thought oh, this is going to suck you know what a cheap way to tell a story and by the end of the issue I was totally like I get it it's cool it's written really well so uh, props to Ed for the, the script in this one I thought it was just really solid the way they did it uh, Ian what's your thought
2: um it's funny uh, I was listening to Dustin and Stella on the uh, comic podcast uh, last night And I realized that I'd given issues 11 and 12 both, I think, fours. um, And I feel like I kind of jumped the gun on that because I think that uh, number 13 was really the standout issue of this last month. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, honestly, I think if I went back and and re-rated them, I'd probably give them 3.5s. Well, okay. um, Mostly for structural issues. I think that the dream sequence is always the the band-aid for writers when they want to get across – an emotion or a history or a connection because it's abstract enough that you can pretty much just say what you want your characters to learn in the dream sequence. Mm -hmm. I do agree that person handles it pretty well. Unfortunately, I feel like he wasn't given enough story to cover two issues. I feel like what happens in this and the next issue could have been about one and a half issues. And so, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead but i think there's a serious structural problem at the end of this story that uh, i think is just to prolong the issue into the next issue um that being said i do think that the things they chose to show were worthwhile uh and they're well done especially in this first one um i really like fernando blanco's art uh and i'm I have a difficult time saying who will be the breakout character because I read these as a fan of the, the mid-thousands continuity. So I mm. love Stephanie Brown. I love Cassandra Kane. And so seeing them come back to continuity is, is the reason I'm here. And so I'm really excited. And I think they've done a really intelligent job of updating Cassandra's backstory. Now, in... Old continuity, Cassandra's backstory was conveyed through videotapes. David Kane would videotape Cassandra doing things, and then Batman would find those videotapes and f- figure out what happened. So I think this, seeing through the mind of one of her trainers what she went through, is a, a very interesting update of that concept.
1: Yeah, I, I liked that. I think that's the thing I, I liked about it the most, of like, okay, we had, like you said, the whole videotape thing back in the, you know, 90s, 2000s, late 90s, I guess I should say, um, in the 2000s around, like, how, how are we going to do, how are we going to do that here? Are we going to come up with some new thing? And it, I I like it. I, I thought it was... Uh, an updated way of kind of telling it unless, you know, I thought, are they going to break out the iPads in here? And this is how it was. Um, and I like the method of how, of like why she doesn't talk in, in this. It's through, it's through pain. It's through uh, looking at somebody to know what they are thinking before they're going to do it and being all nonverbal um, in just the cues, and then the way that he has to teach her how to do it, like I'm going to cut you with this knife because you're not fast enough, and uh, and seeing Harper almost in you know in this you know reality twisted reality state of her getting to see all of that. And her wanting to, you know, kneel down beside of Harper in, in one of the panels. Uh, DC, you need to go back to numbering your page numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's right next to the Batman Beyond ad. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I like that where she's kind of reaching out for her and that she feels so bad uh, for uh, Cassandra. I just, I thought that was uh, really pretty cool. Um, Can I just interrupt? Go, yeah, go ahead. I, I thought the whole um, Cassandra-Harper
0: relationship and how they're kind of looking out for each other and – not to jump the gun a little bit, but later on, you know, she'll, you know, uh, or she'll, Cassandra will, you know, take a knife to the hand for Harper and then mm-hmm. Harper will give her a hug and all this stuff. I, I, I thought that they're doing a really good job of creating that relationship and making it kind of feel genuine and organic at the same time, not, you know, forced or just like in three panels, they're best friends. So,
1: um, I, I think I, I really like that. Uh, Ian, I've been wanting to ask you, you being, uh, such a fan of the latter Batman families in, in the two thousands, uh, primarily being Stephanie and Cassandra. Um, I've been curious of your take. I mean, I, I know you've kind of already said it. Uh, do you like the basically New Fifty Two version of Cassandra? Is equally greater, less than? You know, how is she being treated by uh, being treated in this medium uh, now that she's here, um, as opposed to the old? Well, Castron always had an extraordinarily
2: rough origin. Um, both in New and Old Continuity, she's been isolated from everyone except her father because her father doesn't want anyone speaking to her. So she learns to communicate solely through body language. Um, and that's true both in Old and New. Uh, I think that the New 52 is actually more brutal. I don't remember uh, David Kane ever just murdering hundreds and hundreds of people in front of her. Yeah. Um, to desensitize her um but on the whole she's she is cassandra kane i don't feel like she's just a person with the name cassandra kane like certain other characters like, <coughs> uh, <joke>. helena bertinelli <laughs> is an example of a character who you know i like the new character but there is almost no connection between the old continuity and the new continuity there right Cassandra Kane and I would also argue Stephanie Brown are great examples of how to update a character for a new continuity. They, are f- they feel right, but they're new, so they'll still attract new characters coming in. They won't feel like an old fuddy-duddy character. Um, as a fan of Stephanie Brown, I'm actually really irritated that Harper is the one who's becoming Cassandra's friend. Um, however, I do agree it's being done reasonably well. I just think it's really short sighted to have only Harper come along with Dick Grayson instead of Harper and Stephanie. Yeah. Um, uh, there's something, what was it? Um, I did think that, uh, Harper, Harper's story is being brought to a point of, of, uh, crisis, um, because the solicitations for the future indicate that Harper's going to learn a secret in the next month or so. Um, and I think anyone who's paying attention knows what that secret is, I think. We'll get to that, I think, in at the end of this issue. But I think it, it feels really obvious what that what's going to happen next.
1: See, now I feel stupid because I don't know if I haven't been paying attention, but I'm like, w- what is it?
2: <laughs> I don't well, know do, if... you want, do you want me to jump to it? Because it is in this
1: issue. Yeah, let's, let, let's kind of jump to it. Um, uh, okay, so if you um,
2: – when sculptors taking Harper through the different histories – and then she says, "No, this is not right. We shouldn't be here." You yeah. know, she they're in that crime alley, and they see Cassandra killing a woman. Yes. Um, and remember, I was saying last uh, last month that when Harper touched Cass's hair and she ran away, that was a memory of Cassandra being forced to kill. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what this is. I right. think that she was flashing back to this moment, and. Um, the woman who is here, I am 100% positive, is Harper's mother.
1: So, okay, that's. Uh, I was thinking that, but uh, in the latter, latter couple issues, I started not thinking that. Like, this. It, it's probably going to be a different person, but that does give credence to what you said that she's going to have to learn a hard. Not a hard lesson, but a, a secret's going to be revealed. And she's kind of mentioned. Her mother in fourteen, I think. Maybe it was this issue. Well, she mentioned her mother way back in issue one,
2: how she was killed, and Cullen, yeah. her brother, is afraid that Harper will be killed too.
1: Right. I was mad I was excited in this issue as Harper gets pulled out of it. You know, like you said, she's not supposed to be here. We're into the moment where uh, Batman is basically going to be saying that you know who the Robin is. Uh, Dick jumps in. And uh, I guess this is going into uh, the next issue, where I guess my upsetness, if that's a real word—but it is since I just said it—comes uh, uh, comes into play. So I guess I'll hold that for the next issue. Um, hold in your upsetness. Hold in my yeah. upsetness, yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I too was a little upsettedness about that as well because they never really
1: delivered on that. No. It's just kind of a tease. Yeah. Which I I guess we're kind of getting into the next issue. Um, Well, and that's – this whole transition
2: from issue 11 to issue 12 is where I was talking about the structural problem. Dick bursting in here is classic um, filler. It's classic dramatic filler where one character doesn't have a good reason for doing something, but because it will prolong the story and add for some added tension, the writer will throw it in there. If Dick was smart, he would not – put himself in this mind belt, he wouldn't break Harper and Sculptor out. This is Dick acting stupid for the sake
0: of plot. It's like, Dick is like, wait, wait, we're on page 19 of a 22 page story. I've got to do something right now. You
1: know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's out of, I thought that was out of character of. Absolutely out of character. It it would have been, he already didn't want her to do it for probably umpteen reasons, but okay, you've agreed to do it. The last thing I'm going to do is rip you out of this and, you know, get you into, uh, a Cassandra Sandra's consoling state where you're going to be regressed to an infant or or something like that. That's what I kept, you know, thinking as I'm – I think uh, Nightfall is creeping into my head here, <laughs> going through the mind meld. But, you know, it, yeah. was that, it was that type of thing that I think he would have done the – where maybe it would have been – Bruce would have been more of like, no, you shouldn't have done this and ripped her out before she would have done it. Dick would have just kind of stepped back and just let the cards fall where they may. I especially, could see
2: Batman doing that because he's always doing stupid stuff for the sake of the plot.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, especially when you get to the end of uh, the uh, issue 12, when you find out it's all just an illusion anyway, you kind of wonder... Well, what was Dick really? You know, <laughs> Dick just was
1: kinda, thinking what like you said. It's paid yeah. time to, I gotta go do something. Yeah. Well, let's let's At just tops. jump into twelve.
0: Do we need to do a? Uh, um, did you want to do the ratings on eleven, or do you want to wait and do that? I, I saw that email that said they wanted us to do ratings.
1: Um, uh, I'll I'll edit this part out. That was just basically for us doing Robin War since. Uh, oh, okay. Since but not Robin. Now, Batman. We're. They're going to let us run this however we want to, but since we're at, we're part of the actual comic podcast, they want us to do ratings in ah, uh, Robin you. War. So, right, just... sorry about that. No, no problem at all. Uh, any final thoughts you guys have here for eleven? Um, I know we've got four books. I don't want to you know spend an hour on each mm-hmm. book, but I don't want to undercut the book either. Any final thoughts here? Well, be ready to spend a lot of time on thirteen. to yeah, I, uh, I know. I, I kind of know that's coming, so I don't want to breeze through them, but I'm like. i I do want to get to 13 because we're going to have a lot to say yeah i just
0: say you know we're 11 you know 11 through 20 or so could really uh in a series like this start to to feel like it's dragging and i didn't feel that i felt like they're still delivering solid books you know it's hard to hit these weekly on time good books quality and you know it's pretty solid for issue 11
1: i agree yeah and i I think i've been repetitive in saying this and i know batman eternal was 52 books but given just looking at the halfway point of both of them and paralleling it that way and forgetting the issue count we know more in 14 issues than we knew in half of 52 issues so i think something could be said for having a smaller concise weekly run but um you want to talk about dragging things out. They were dragging things out left and right all over in Batman. Yeah. Eternal. It's like,
2: which is the villain. It's this guy spent two issues on him, which is the villain is this guy.
1: So oh my goodness,
2: I love Batman eternal. I don't want to knock on it. No, much, no, no. But looking back, I have a spreadsheet of all the issues of Batman eternal. And I'm like, it is hard to keep it in your head. This, I feel like I can keep it in my head. I like, this is the Dick section. This is the Harper section. This is the Tim and Jason section. Yeah. So I, I like how it's, it's more digestible at this length. It's still a big story, but it's not like 52 issues of overwhelming.
1: That, and I feel like the the villain is, unless they pull something towards the tail end, ha the real villain is, at least up until this point, the villain is Mother. It's It's been Mother since the very first issue, and I like that, that we're not at the end of 14 and go, oh, Mother was a throwaway, so I like that her presence is still there. Um, let's just jump right into twelve here. Uh, Mother of Sorrows is the first uh, uh, words are here on the front of the issue, and I like this, where Batman's kneeling down on the front cover here, and Mother's behind her ever so lovingly. But the way that Batman is drawn here is like he does not want to be in this state, but knows he kind of has to. And we have the you know pillars behind him, which is very you know gothic and scale and grand. I just I loved looking at this cover. I thought it just kind of uh, said so much and we've already said it, that each of these covers uh, is vastly different than the next but I don't feel like any one of these covers is like oh yeah, it's a cover for a sake of being a cover I thought this was really cool uh, You guys, well, have this a- cover
2: is really interesting to me because it's in the classical form of the Pieta um, which is a picture of a mother and a son mm-hmm. particularly like a wounded or dying son so there's a famous one of Mary with Jesus after he died by Michelangelo and um, and this has that same triangular structure, <clears throat> and I really love how it's—it's it's got the the classical illusion behind it with the pillars, and it's just really well constructed. There's a real nice balance to it, and as you say, the expression of Batman and the expression of Mother are really—they tell a story. It's a good cover, um, and I, I want to point out that it's drawn by Carlo Pagulan, who is going to be doing the final issue. So it's going to have a yeah. It's nice to have a preview of his work, even though I'm still disappointed that Tony Daniels not doing the last issue.
1: I, I was going to save that for 14, but I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, that's the only part about uh, all of these that I was real excited about. Like, good, we're going to have Tony Daniels. What was his last issue? Six? Mm-hmm. And we're at issue 14, and we haven't seen him not even do a cover uh, since then. I think he's doing number 20 is what solicitations
2: say. And he's doing the cover for number 26. Okay.
1: So, I mean, uh, the artwork on the front here, if that's going to be our final interior uh, issue there, I've got no problem with that. Yeah, Um, it's good art. This one and the next cover were both done by this guy. Cool. Um, Let's just kind of get into uh, 13 here. It's... Uh, 12. 12. Or 12, excuse me. Uh, It's... I feel like you said it, it's kind of more of the same, okay, now we're looking at more of this through Dick's perspective being in with the sculptor here uh, that um, I, this is where I kind of thought we were going to get into some more repetitiveness, like, okay, now let's take a look at it from Dick's point of view. Um, and it, it necessarily wasn't that, but if any of these are the filler issues, I kind of felt like this is the filler issue. We get... Um, more of a backstory of uh, Kane's method for teaching, which he's kind of going, you know, off the reservation or off script of how Mother wants to do things and uh, eventually is going to be bringing that back to Mother. Now, what did you guys think about just the uh, these, the setup with Dick being in the mind mode here and what we saw uh, from Dick's perspective? Uh, Ian?
2: Oh dear, sorry. I I missed the I was reading through the issue again. No, he no, no. Ask the question I, again.
1: No. Uh what, what your uh, thoughts of, you know, Dick's Dick's view of the the mind melt or the, you know, hypnotic stance that he's in and the the things that he saw. Uh, did you have any issues with that?
2: Um I think part of the problem with this issue is that while I think the Sculptor's is a cool character, she is someone we really don't care about. Um, and they do the best Brisson does the best he can to develop her as sympathetic, and I think he, he's partially successful, but we don't need half an issue devoted to her backstory. Uh, especially not since this is the issue where Dick finds out that Batman supposedly murdered someone. Um, I feel like that was sort of brushed over at the end of this.
1: Yeah, I kind of did too. Uh, Terrence, what was your uh, thoughts uh, up to this you know, portion?
0: Well, I've I my thoughts are that i'm i'm really liking mother as a villain Uh, you know it's kind of hard to um you know if mother is the villain of this series it's very difficult to introduce a new batman villain and have her or him or her you know hold up to the you know villains that are already established in the batman universe uh And I thought she was really good, and it's kind of, it breaks the mold because, you know, we're in that 90s X Men Marvel, like, let's make the villain even bigger and let's put more muscles on the villain and let's give the villain bigger guns and then give him an even bigger gun. And this is like, no, let's make the villain an old lady, you know, and like, but how can she be scary and powerful and go toe to toe with Batman if it's an old lady? And, I like the scenes with Batman and Mother because it's not a physical, all right, who's stronger, who can punch each other in the face more to be the winner. It's really like a psychological battle. And I really like this issue because And maybe I might not like it as much after the whole Batman and Robin Eternal series is finished. But as of right now, I'm still like, all right, well, if Dick is in the mind of the sculptor, how much can we trust her? Like how much do we know that he's – what he's being shown is the truth and this is the way the writers are telling us the backstory and how much is maybe the sculptor maybe messing with him a bit i mean what would be dick's worst fear you know showing him batman rejecting him showing batman you know wants another partner and then there's this whole thing with batman and mother and i'm like well how much you know i I don't really buy what batman's saying here i'm like well this is a trick he's just saying this and he's just trying to get another partner to get in deeper so he can take her down but then you're like well maybe not maybe he's gone that far so there's still a lot of like question marks in this where i'm not really sure who's telling the truth what everybody's angle is maybe you know by the end when that stuff is kind of revealed i might think differently but as of right now i i really
1: like that uh kind of aspect of you just don't know for sure what you just read and how many times have we seen batman play the part of like okay he's doing this thing that we can't believe he's doing and he's he's gonna let this person fall off the side of the building and you know we find out that he has him tethered to the building and they've been tethered for an hour before and you know batman did all of his setup so i'm thinking like you said you know how much is batman quote-unquote playing along here to make it seem like he's doing the wrong thing just to get in closer and then from the sculptor's point of view how much influence does mother have over her children of like I'm and even the sculptor that I'm only going to allow you to know what I want you to know. So that way, if you get your mind meld fancy going and you want to share something else with somebody else, it's going to be an altered state of what I want you to know. So that's, that was what was going through my head the whole entire time here that maybe the sculptor is not, Lying. This is just the version of the story that she she knows or has been told to tell or has been kind of programmed to tell.
2: Well, I think that there's a a really good chance that there's a part of the sculptor that is wanting to help Dick and Harper and help Batman. But she is mother's child. Um, And whether consciously or unconsciously, I think there might be a reveal later that this was actually – either planned for by mother or directly ordered by mother. Um, but the fact that it directly plays into Dick's deepest fear that Batman will think he's unworthy, uh, I think is very telling uh, because it goes back to that um, fear toxin hallucination that Dick saw of Batman as the monster. Um, and I, so I think that there's a real sense that while you do learn things that are important for Dick to know for the plot to move forward, there's also a sense where Mother's still in control. And I think we see that from uh, issue 14, 1340.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, The line here of the sculptor as Harper, uh, as Dick's just gone out of the mind meld, and Harper and uh, Dick are getting ready to take off. And the sculptor says, I've done my part. Uh, now you have to do yours. I was taking it, you know, okay, I've told you what you guys have to do. Now you've got to go do your thing. And I wondered how much of that was to mother of like, okay, I've done my part. You know, I, I did what you wanted me to do. Now let me go. Let me out of here. Or maybe I was just reading too much uh, into that. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that were.
0: Well, I think they, they wrote her character – well enough that it could go either way like if it turns out that she was used by mother to do this and now she feels regret and she um is trying to make amends for her past sins i'll totally buy it if she is still part of mother's uh you know army of darkness here or whatever you want to call it (laughs) and that this was all done to manipulate and show dick grayson what you know mother wanted him to see to move along the the pieces in her her game here i'll totally believe it as well so um yeah i could go either way with it
1: um and i like uh here one of the last few panels that like we were saying that all this was a vision that that harper tells us what all that was an illusion the whole time so that had me going oh so none of this was real so i just read two issues of something important you need to know ah psych not really Is that actually, these last two issues, not true at all? Or is that what the characters are made to believe, that it's not true?
2: I think it's mostly true. Um, I think these issues do have an element of misdirection. I mean, in addition to being completely filler, the last three pages are a massive misdirect, um, where you see all the dead children and then the bloody footprints leading to Cassandra Cain. Right. Right. For one thing, that's not even really what happens in the next issue. And for another thing, the implication is, oh, man, Cassandra Cain's a murderer, but we all know she's not really. Yeah. So it, it just it feels to me like most of this is true. I think that the sculptor's backstory is true. I think Cassandra's backstory is true. I think what we learn about Batman is mostly not true, or at least mostly incomplete.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of driving the ship so far, so I'm going to get out of the driver's seat, and I'm going to let Ian take over the wheel for Batman and Robin Eternal 13, and I'm just going to let you have the full wheel run with it, sir.
2: (laughs) All right, so um, this one is written by showrunner James Tyndon IV, and it begins um, with a jet being driven by Argus Tactical Surveillance. Um, I've never heard of this organization before, but it seems like they're sort of a paramilitary, high-tech thing. And they have um, Cass on board. And she does uh, a halo jump into a huge diamond on mine, which was closed by an ecological disaster, which is the secret site of Mother's Nursery. Uh Cass evades its defenses with a lot of cool kung fu and hacking and like she's just really impressive in these silent sequences I thought that the silent sequence was really nice in this issue um and then she remembers as she's walking through the nursery her own childhood so it's really cool seeing present-day Cass looking into a flashback so it's like really well constructed she remembers seeing mother greeting the new children as they arrive. And there's like this love coming from mother that Cassandra really wants, but her father, David Kane, the orphan, um, picks her up and like punishes her with this isolation and this physical punishment. Um, she has a later memory of meeting the sculptor, uh, as she's watching the children again. And the sculptor is more sympathetic than David, but she's still either in too much fear from David or, too much fear from mother, or just that's how she is because she herself is so abused. That when Cass sees a ch- child hugging another child and then she imitates that, the sculptor says that Cass can never do that again. Um, in the present, Cass fights and rewires a robot to lead her to the hatchery, where it says many children have returned in the past few weeks. David Kane attacks, slicing the robot in half and demonstrating his new cybernetic hand, replacing the one that Cass cut off in issue five, I believe. Yeah. He throws her down into the pit where he's thrown all the children he's slaughtered, uh, claiming to only serve perfection, not cruelty. David blames Cassandra's alliance with Batman for mother's decision to kill all of her current children and turn to Scarecrow's Crow's fear toxin methods. Flashing back to the middle of the end game arc in the Batman comic, Batman tells Cassandra to give Dick Grayson the flash drive with all his information on Mother and her organization, as he believes he will die in his battle with the Joker. Batman insists that even though he knows what the orphan and Mother made Cassandra do, she's not a monster. She's a hero because she chose to fight the evil she was born and raised into, and that her choices, not other people's, defines her. As Cass remembers her embrace of Batman, she takes the blood of Mother's discarded children and gives herself a red bat mask and attacks David Kane. Dick Grayson and Harper O arrive, taking down the orphan with bat tasers, uh, and then Cass rushes to hug Harper. Mother appears via hologram, saying she doesn't hate them, but she pities their weakness and must destroy them all, including David, with a thermonuclear blast.
1: Dun dun dun. <laughs> Uh, so after that, uh, what did you think, uh, Ian? Oh man this,
2: this <laughs> issue is a real high point. I mean, it is the middle issue. It is the thing that sort of sums up Cass's journey to this point, and I I really love it. It's my favorite issue of the the series so far. Um.
1: I thought this was a great uh, character beat for Cassandra, for people wanting to know who, who she was, who, who is she in this new universe, how much of the old Cassandra Kane is there, and I think there is a great blend of new Cassandra Kane and a lot of old callbacks and familiar things of the Cassandra Kane that we all know and love. And I love the bat mask that she paints on her face. And at, uh, at first, the, the front cover uh i thought this was just beautiful it's beautifully done uh in here and when i picked it up i thought i can't wait to see you know okay i'm sure there's not going to be a bloodied mask on our face and you know sure enough there is but uh yeah i thought this was fantastic uh terrence yeah i'm gonna ag- i'm in agreement um I did not have a
0: chance. I was kind of busy, so I didn't have a chance to read these books when I picked them up. So I read 12 and 13 back to back. So when I finished 12, I was like, oh my gosh, did she kill all those people? <laughs> and then I could jump right in and read 13 and find out, no, she didn't. It was her father. I wonder if people who had to wait a week felt, you know, like a little, you know, misdirected or, or if it was annoying to them. Um, but I thought it was I really. I did wait
2: and it was annoying.
0: Okay. <laughs> it was okay. So yeah. Um, you know i i thought this is, they're just doing a really great job of you know giving her a really good backstory and making her like a really believable and sympathetic character who you want to root for and the one scene which again it's not numbered but it's right by the DCBS uh, Batman Beyond <laughs> ad when Ca- uh, Cassandra is looking and, and sees a hug and doesn't know what a hug is and then hugs uh, you know uh, the sculptor and and gets pushed away their first hug I mean that that was like heartbreaking
1: stuff that was really well done I love the uh, what is it one two two panels down the long uh, insert where it's all in silhouette but they put in the eye wide open of Cassandra of like she, her eyes are closed she's embracing this hug you can kind of see like oh that's right that does feel good and bam getting pushed right away just that expression with her mouth open open i'm like man you just pushed a kid that's experiencing her first hug away uh you're right i was like oh i like i had an out loud audible like oh my wife's like what and i showed her the panel and she's like i don't get it i'm like i'll tell you later <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. sad <laughs> yeah this
2: oh man the the construction of this issue i mean i was talking about how i was frustrated with the structure of ed brisson's issues this one issue is structured so perfectly you have this first hug and it builds to the climax of cassandra's hug with batman it's just so well done in terms of history and repeated visual motifs and payoff and um especially for someone who knows cassandra's history in the pre flashpoint continuity um Cassandra, because she communicates through body language, has always been very physical uh, in her relationship. She'll touch, she'll fight, she'll spar, and she'll hug. And Batman, because he's one of the few people in the world who can match her physically, understands that. And in her own series, in Batgirl, he and Cassandra would hug fairly regularly, like once every three or four issues. Way more than you could ever say he hugged any of his other partners. Batman's not a very huggy guy. No. <laughs> um, but he would hug Cassandra. And so this, in I mean, obviously, Batman hasn't hugged Cassandra before. This is the first time. But it's a great callback for people who know the character. And her painting the bat symbol on her face is so powerful because she's a visual person. The symbol of the bat is so powerful to her because it is a symbol of justice a symbol of strength a symbol of compassion and so for her to take it on herself it really means something i think
1: uh do you i want to jump hypothetically into the future after this wraps up what do you think Cassandra is going to become in this? She can't go into the role of Batgirl because we have Barbara Gordon currently working as Batgirl, much like Stephanie Brown was Batgirl in pre flashpoint. Do you think she becomes the black bat again or I guess for the first time in this universe? Since she can't get the role of Batgirl.
2: I mean it's so hard to tell where Cassandra's gonna be because you know DC's being all secretive about what happens we just got the solicitations for uh march the end of batman and robin eternal we have some other uh series um brendan fletcher hinted that there are secret mystery guests who are going to appear in batgirl number 50 at the end of march Uh, i'm hoping cassandra's in that so there's a possibility that she could join like team batgirl even if she's not actually Batgirl, she's working with Batgirl, with Stephanie Brown, with Harper Rowe. Because mm-hmm. Stephanie Brown and Harper Rowe are both going to appear in Batgirl number 50. They're on the cover. Um, so I'm hoping that she at least has a connection with Batgirl. That'd be nice for continuity's sake. Um, I don't know where she'd fit, though. I kind of hope that someone gives her, her either her own series or a
1: team series with Stephanie and Harper. Um, I've been saying it for a while. I, want, I don't mind Tim Drake being in of a Teen Titans, but I would love to see him kind of doing a, a Charlie's Angels type of thing, you know, where it's his book, Cassandra's book, Stephanie's book, and Harper's book. You have, you know, Tim and three ladies <laughs> working together. Yeah, I think, I think that, that would be perfect. That'd be a, that'd be a great vehicle. Uh, Tim may not have to be in every single if it, episode issue but uh i don't know i've been saying for a while i would love a red and blue book um, i think you're absolutely right or you know i would love to see uh red robin red hood and arsenal all in a book together but anyway i'm i'm i digress um i enjoyed- no. not
2: know we're here because we love
1: characters yeah 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 um uh, terrence your overall thoughts on uh, 13
0: yeah, you know, uh, to piggyback on what you guys were talking about, I'd love to see her take on the role of Black Bat. Uh, just as long as they do something with her. I mean, my problem with her being Black Bat in the pre, you know, New Fifty Two was they they made her Black Bat and they put her in Hong Kong, and then they never did anything with her. Like give her her own book in Hong Kong, or mm-hmm. you know, put her in Gotham where she can be a part of everything. So, um, so I just think they brought
2: her back to Gotham before the continuity with the whole Gates of Gotham. She yeah. came back she was yeah. awesome in that series and then she says i like it in gotham and then the
3: reboot
0: yeah and then you know i never you know i, I read Batwoman until jh williams the third um left and then i don't even know how that series ended is she still alive is she still out there because she's still out there but she's not doing anything because i was thinking maybe Batwoman with you know the black bat as her partner or her kind of in the robin role kind of learning um might be a good combination as well
2: that's an intriguing idea yeah i don't know what it would be like though, since batwoman hasn't really worked with anyone since she fired her dad as far as i know although i i will admit i've never actually read her ongoing series
1: I, I read a couple issues of it and I just Batwoman has always been a hard sell for me. I I don't know why. Uh the character I always thought looks cool and I'm like, oh, I i will really like this. And I'll get a couple issues into it and I'm like, eh, it's just it's it it never grabs me. So having somebody like a Cassandra Kane in there as Terrence said, like her Robin would be kinda would be kinda cool. I, I would probably jump into that book. And that's that's something I wanted to bring up before we get into the last book for this evening, is I don't want the treatment of Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain and Harper Rowe only to be relegated to an eternal book that's out once every year. That, you know, hey, we're giving you 52 books or we're giving you 26 books, but other than a, a little shot here in a book and a little shot here, they, they're not going to do anything. That'll disappoint <laughs> me if those three characters don't ever see any light of day other than a, a one-off and the an Eternal series. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I totally agree.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that one of the reasons we didn't really see Stephanie or Harper appear between the two Eternals is because the person who loves them the most is James Tyman in the fourth. And he was busy prepping Batman and Robin Eternal. Yeah. So, I kind of hope they don't do another eternal series for another like year or so so that they have time to put them in real books and give them a real continuing presence in the I mean a weekly is a special. It's it's something that people expect to have a beginning and an end and it's this big epic story. A monthly sort of solidifies you in the universe because it it's ongoing. It doesn't have an end. It just Keeps going, So I hope that we get them as permanent leads in a book on a monthly basis for at least a year to get them that sort of solid foundation in the Batman universe before another Eternal comes along.
1: I definitely agree. Um, so if uh, everybody's cool with that, let's jump into the last book for this evening, Batman and Robin Eternal number 14. Batman and Scarecrow team up and the return of Batman and Dick Grayson. Uh, Robin working together which um, I liked our first few issues we had where you had half an issue of current timeline and half an issue of you know the early days of Batman and Robin so reading these last three books um, as much as I enjoyed them I was still kind of wanting to get back to the Batman and Robin portion of Batman and Robin Eternal so I was glad to see our very first Uh, opening page is you know the Batmobile racing off, and we've got Batman and Robin in the cockpit. And I do it every time. I forget the front cover. What do you guys think about the front cover here on this, Uh, Terrence? I have a a question for you guys on the front cover,
0: because when I first picked this up and I first looked at it, I thought it was Batman and Robin, and Robin was dressed like the Scarecrow, (laughs) because his physique and his everything looks like where Robin would normally be, and it looks smaller than you know, an average man. And then it was only until I start got into it, you know, or sort of the, f- the cover says Batman and Scarecrow team up and realize it was the Scarecrow. And then it is kind of misleading because I did think from the cover that they'd be out doing something other than just kind of um the confrontation that they have where they basically just stand and talk which i really did like that com- i like that i like that in the issue but it's not really what's on the cover of them jumping from rooftop to rooftop so i
1: guess my question was i the only one who thought that that was robin on halloween <laughs> um when i picked this up uh in my comic book shop uh i had uh, two books because i was behind by uh two weeks as she was putting them in there, I was like, "Why is Robin dressed like the Scarecrow? That ought to okay, be a, good. that, that awesome ought to one. be a cool <laughs> read." I mean, it was just really quick as she's putting it in, and then uh, when I got home and then read it, I still kind of gave it a glance, like, "Huh, that's weird." I guess uh, Robin's going to go back and get even at the Scarecrow for giving his fear toxin. So yeah, you weren't the only one. Okay, uh, we'll see if Ian will set us straight, Ian. <laughs> no, I have to admit, I didn't think of that. I, I just thought it was.
2: Uh, flashback time we're back to batman robin fighting scarecrow
1: oh well you suck then um (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, we all do that uh, right uh, yeah right (laughs) uh so we're in Prague several years ago in case you needed to know where we were and i like the um ambiguity i think it's a word i want to use of like You know, not really nailing down. It's not, it's like it's saying 1984. So that way, you know, 20 years from now when somebody's reading this book, you don't really put a, you know, a year on it. And the whole thing, is it five years in the new 52 or is it 10 years? So I kind of like that. We'll just say years. That always just makes me chuckle in a book where they don't ever specify, you know, exactly how many years of what is like several a couple you know those well
2: they of things. started out in the preview which i will be referencing again tonight <laughs> um, saying five years yeah. but i think they felt that five years was i mean if you think about that that means that dick was robin for what a year and then jason was robin for like half a year and then tim was red robin for like half a year and then Damien was Robin for like a year it's just like it is really hard to believe that this only took place five years ago yeah so I think they're they're moving away from that specific to give us enough time to believe that it was really happening
1: I was always looking at it like Dick is Robin for three to five years probably uh, Jason comes in probably has a short stint of maybe two years Tim's got probably about as equal amount of time as Dick, probably. And then Damien is always current. So that's how I always kind of looked at it. And there was a really cool um, – when the New 52 started, there was a timeline that somebody had made that kind of put all the pieces together. And I, I'll try and put that on the uh, Facebook page if I can remember that they kind of yeared out everything the way it, it should read. But anyway – um so it was I, I was glad to see Batman and Robin uh back in here and um getting more back to their story uh that's in this and some you know, the Dick Grayson quips are, are kind of in here and I like the look where uh you know their the Batmobile is stopped and Batman and Robin are getting out and one of the thugs is like uh you know are they here, you know, they, they can't see anything, and Dick's like, oh, let me help you, you know, and the Thunks one right at the side of the head, and that I, I liked that, you know, quippiness of uh, the Dick Grayson character, especially as Robin, I always loved reading that, I thought that came out uh, really pretty cool in the uh, 80s and 90s. What do you think about uh, Batman and Robin, uh, seeing them together uh, in this continuity, and, you know, kind of continuing on in the Batman and Robin Eternal series, uh, Terrence?
0: Yeah, I liked it. My favorite part was right on the first page when um, uh, Robin says to Batman, shouldn't we be slowing down? And Batman says no, and he goes, huh, awesome. I was like, <laughs> that was such a great reaction and, and, and very much for a, a, a trapeze artist, Robin would, would uh, play. And, and yeah, I, I did like the uh, Batman and Robin. Dick Grayson's Robin costume's kind of growing on me. Um, you know, I still kind of long for the traditional, but, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a realist on what it is. Um <laughs> And yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really cool how um, how Batman and Robin had to get separated. How the the Scarecrow worked on separating the two, although I'm not really sure how Scarecrow hacked into Batman's cowl. But I'll that was a question I had. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of got to go with that one. But um, then uh, it was kind of they they balanced the present to the past pretty well. Um, the whole I, the, if there was one weakness I had of the four issues we're doing. These like robots that chase them, I thought, was a little too, I don't know, just a little too hokey. I mean, there's certainly a heck of a lot of them on that one like double spread page. I, I think I could count maybe like twenty five of them here. So they're either really lousy because their laser beams can't shoot anybody, or you know, I I don't know, I just seemed a little seemed like we crossed over into doctor who a little bit too much but um
2: (laughs) don't you know the algorithm of mook accuracy the more (laughs) mooks that are present on page the less accurate they are
1: right exactly yeah (laughs) Uh, I just had a Dr. Evil. All I wanted is some robots with freaking laser beams. <laughs> yeah, is that too much to ask? It's kind of like when I went to see uh,
0: Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, and the, the first kind of scene with the stormtroopers, I'm like, all right, they're finally the stormtroopers are going to you know, be accurate shooters here, and, and then by the end of the movie, they couldn't hit anything. So I, <laughs> right. I guess it, when the heroes are around, the stormtroopers, like uh, – goggles fog up or something so um that part was a a little hokey but um which i know this is going a little further than you said but leading into the the scene with uh scarecrow and batman on that scaffolding i thought was fantastic ian
2: this is a great action issue the the moment that terence pointed out where robin says awesome i mean that that is an awesome moment and then bursting in great action tina knows how to write a really exciting batman and robin team up Um, but it doesn't have the same emotional high for me as as 13. 13 was just so great in the way it reached into the past, reached into past continuity and reached throughout the entire history of Cassandra as she's appeared in this Batman and Robin Eternal series and made it really emotional. And they try to have a moment sort of like that with um, Harper and Cassandra, but it's never as strong as 13 did. So it's... a it's a very good issue. It's just sort of in contrast to Tynan's last issue is just a bit lesser, but very necessary. I mean, when we get to talking about the plot and the future, this issue is very key.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm just kind of going okay. through the pages here and seeing, you know, all the robots. The, you know, the Cassandras. You know, taken out. And like Terrence said, there must be you know 25 on the page here. Uh, we've got. Uh, David and uh, Dick going at it back and forth. And even David is kind of uh, poking at Dick verbally here of saying, you know, uh, I saw you while you were there with the Scarecrow. I I knew what's going on. You have no idea, you know, what you're up against. And then kind of paralleling uh, back to the past with, you know, the Scarecrow kind of getting into uh, Batman's You know, comm system, which is kind of like, okay, seriously, how'd you get a hold of that? But I would imagine Mother probably had a line on that somehow, somewhere. We'll just kind of let that that go. But where he sends Robin off to go defuse the bomb and is trying to build up his confidence and saying, remember how the wiring was backwards, you know, you can take care of this. And then to find out that Robin's up there working on it and that he has defused this long before Robin ever gets there, just just to kind of play uh, with the scarecrow a little bit that, you know, his partner's not in any danger because I've already done, uh, I've I've already taken care of it. Um, And then having the banter back and forth with the scarecrow and Batman and scarecrow saying, you know, I need you to make this look good. I need you to beat me up. So I get thrown in Arkham and I'm safe and I'll tell you what you need to know. And I love, I don't know what it is about Batman, but I love like that '89 moment where Batman is holding somebody over the rooftop, and we kind of get that there. Like, I want you to know I've got your life in my hands, and I'm holding the scarecrow over the ledge. And uh, I, just, I love the silhouette on that page. I'm always just a sucker for Batman, almost coming to that cl- that point of like I could just beat the tar to you right now, and I could drop you, knowing full well the Batman's not going to do it, but the crook dangling there doesn't know. So that always kind of makes me smile. But the panel is like right out of the um <laughs> opening of Batman the animated series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, and just and, and seeing that where Batman is no, you're working for me and if I can say this and that sound weird where it's almost like no, you're my bitch. <laughs> 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 I, I'm not going to be yours. <laughs> so and, and just that look of a scarecrow, kind of like trying to crawl back up against the wall with his hands up and and Batman saying, "You know, you work for me and you have that" Again, like you said, Terrence, that very animated series moment of just seeing like the silhouette of Batman slowly engulf uh, the the person in this case, uh, and, Scarecrow.
0: And just, I like really like what you're talking about here. The design of Scarecrow in this issue with this mask where you can actually see his eyes and mouth through the mask, and you
1: can see the fear in his eyes. That w- that was done really well, and I I like that about the Scarecrow. That he is all about fear and his, his like super fear. That uh, it's not really super fear. I forget what he's calling it here.
2: The uh, trauma. The trauma.
1: Mindset. Yes. Um, that when the scarecrow is scared, you can see the fear in the scarecrow, and I always like that. That he's supposed to be so in control of his fear, and that as soon as he's not in control, he is scared beyond, uh, beyond belief. So I. I always liked that about the scarecrow that you're not as bad as you really think yeah. you are. You know what I really liked in this issue,
0: the way uh one of the beats is um how when Dick right before the scene you were talking about, Dick is fighting uh David Kane and he mentions David says that uh, you know, I was there three years ago, so that's several years in the beginning we know now <laughs> it was exactly three. three. But um he's like he's like, I was there three years ago, I watched you, he let you believe that you were running the mission and he says, but you know, he had um he had been there before, and you wonder, like, you know, um, what do you say? He had already been to that factory before you went crashing in with that ludicrous car of yours. <laughs> so you're still kind of like, well, is David, you know, is he telling the truth? Is he lying? Is this just something to, you know, get Dick off his game? And then in a couple pages there's the reveal when scarecrow threatens to uh blow up you know um the bomb and uh, incapacitate robin with the fear gas and batman's like no i've been here for weeks or i disarm the bomb and you're like wow he was telling the truth like he came yeah. you know and i just thought that was a really good story beat of how they did
1: that and i've always been curious of like how how does kane know that how does the sculptor know these things is this something that the mother has watched and observed and is telling her children when you come up against batman you need to say this you need to do this to throw everybody off their game uh ian what'd you what'd you think about all that
2: i think whenever you have a villain making statements about time you have to realize that like any statement about time is liable to retcon and i think that they have a great outlet here because Remember, Orphan has this mask that gases him constantly with fear toxin. So, I would say his perception of time is probably skewed. Yeah. Um, I, I am not inclined to trust most of what David Kane says. He's he's a very evil man. He enjoys causing pain, and he's devoted to a very evil woman. So, yeah, definitely. I just don't think that he's to be trusted.
1: Not any farther than you can throw him. Uh, the last uh, uh, few panels here is uh, Harper and Cassandra getting to like the kill switch and all that stuff and realizing that they're not going to be able to do it. And Harper having this moment of, you know, uh, we're not going to be able to do this. And you know, hopefully Stephanie can watch out for my brother and my brother's going to have horrible taste in music, which, which made me laugh that that's a concern of hers. You know, not only just dying that my brother's going to be listening to God knows what type of music. I thought that was kind of funny. And, uh, Cassandra, um, I thought I was going to kind of give a hug to Harper, but she, you know, has her hand on her face when uh, Harper's kind of crying there, and uh, the few words that Cassandra says, I think, kind of says a lot. You know, we'll live, and you know, I know, I know they, I know they made you kill, and she says no, and um, I just thought it was a really cool moment between the two of them, and then Harper realizing, you know what, if we're going to die, let's go out. You know, Full guns blazing. Uh, Dick comes back in very beat up, but we can see that he uh, had subdued uh, David, and now the three of them, four of them actually, uh, can escape the blast and uh, make it out on their jet. And we see uh, up next is St. Dumas. So uh, any final things you guys want to talk about before we uh, wrap up 14 and the podcast this evening? Uh, Ian. Oh, yes. I so knew it. Go, I knew
2: it. <laughs> if you go to the page where Scarker has the model of the brain, and he talks about Mother's plan, um, he says it's this trauma toxin that basically does what David Kane murdering people's parents in front of them does. Um, mother wants enough gas to infect every major city on the planet. She wants a generation of children born through trauma that she can shape into what she sees as perfect human beings. Um, so if you go back all the way to the Batman day, Batman Endgame special edition, number one, and -hmm. you look at that amazing two page spread where you have the big bat symbol with red Robin on the side, Harper row hiding from a bunch of hooded figures, red hood in a underwater with a bus full of children chasing him, uh, Jim Gordon Batman and Duke Thomas fighting a bunch of kids, Stephanie Brown fighting some kind of mob with a big panda balloon above her, Uh, and then Damian Wayne fighting in London. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I think what we're seeing here is the beginnings of Mother's final plan, and that is to have massive bombs of this trauma toxin go off in every major city. And in this panel, we see what the Bat family is doing to try and stop it. They're trying to get to the bombs and disable them before Mother can explode them.
1: Good eye, sir. Um, I did not look at that until uh, just a few minutes before we started recording. And I'm like, with just that line of dialogue from the Scarecrow, I'm like, I wonder if that was in the preview. Because those kind of things were kind of keyed into us during the preview, during Batman uh, day during Batman Eternal, that if you go back to that one, you can kind of see some things that they were foreshadowing uh, in that preview. So it kind of made me think about it right before that. So um, I'm glad I w- wasn't the only one that was kind of like, hey, I think we've already kind of seen what the future is going to be like. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool moment to know, oh, this this is the step in the seeds, uh, that that's already been in place. So apparently Batman hasn't had the ability to stop that yet. It's, in fact, actually really going to happen. Well, according to solicitations,
2: Batman thought that Mother was dead. Batman, we're, We're about to see this in the next few issues, according to solicitations. Apparently, something happened between Batman and Mother where her organization was forced underground, and she appeared to be dead to Batman. And so he didn't think her plan was still in operation. But now, several years later, she's come back because Batman is gone. And she is putting her plan into effect again. And Dick and Tim and Jason and Harper and Cassandra and Damien and Stephanie have to stop at this time because Batman can't.
1: Um, I wonder how, like, where the timeline of everything is going to fit into place, what is currently going on in the Batman universe. Uh, we have things ramping up, I believe, in March for the Batman book. I think that's going to be the 50th issue of Batman. This is ending. So at what point, we know Bruce Wayne's going to come back as Batman in the main Batman title. So where, we've only seen Bruce, what, once in this story so far. So I'm wondering where the intersect is going to be that Bruce Wayne is back in the main story in this book as well. Or does it kind of... And pseudo, like the Robins and the girls have figured this thing out and then Bruce is back and gives a good job well done. What do you guys think about all of that, Uh, Ian? I don't think Bruce is going
2: to come back in this one. I think Bruce as Batman will only appear in the flashbacks for Eternal. Uh, And I mostly think that because it's clear that Bruce is coming back in issues 49 and 50 of the Batman title. And I don't think that Snyder or DC really wants to dilute the impact of that return in another series, even if it's a big series like Batman and Robin Eternal.
1: You don't even think that he'll come back in the Batman books first and then have a moment in this? Well,
2: um, I forget when Batman number 50 is solicited, but um, this, this goes all the way to the last week of March, and I'm pretty sure that Batman number 50 will be in the middle of March. So it's possible that he com- could come back at the very end. Uh, but I don't... I think that'd be dramatically difficult. I mean, it'd be fun for fan service, but if you read this as a trade, you'd be like, wait, why does Batman just certainly show up at the end? Right. I think they're going to leave him out. I think they might have the amnesiac Bruce with the beard. I think he might pop in somewhere near the end for dick to be like do you remember anything and then he doesn't but i just think dramatically the way they're setting this up i don't think it makes sense
1: for bruce to come back in this series uh terrence what are your thoughts
0: yeah i don't know um my thoughts are if he does come back i think it will be something minor like um He's just there for the final battle there with Mother because I think from the solicitations and what it is, there's going to be some kind of big final showdown where these you know fear toxin or trauma toxin bombs are ready to go off in Gotham City or go off around the world and um, everybody's got to come together and stop Mother. Um, So he may be there for it or he may not, but I don't think it's something where it's going to be – that pivotal to the story but i could be wrong it it, it could um he could ha- play a big part in the last couple issues but I, I just don't think so um i do think it's pretty amazing though if you look just how good you know 14 were at the halfway mark um how good the story is if you said all right here's a, a story about batman and robin but bruce wayne batman is only in it in flashbacks now and then and, and he's not in the main story, and the villain is this old lady named Mother. Here you go. Most people would be like,
1: I don't want to read that, you know, but it's actually pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, and it's. They're able to capture people's attention of a Dick Grayson. It's not Nightwing. It's a Dick Grayson that, if you haven't been reading Grayson, it's like, well, I don't get why he's a spy. And after a while, you, you're not even really. I'm not even. I don't even care that much that he's not Nightwing anymore or he's not Robin. I'm invested in the story. And knowing that they're headed off to go to Spiral has me really intrigued of like, okay, if it wasn't interesting up to this point already, I'm even more interested now to know how Spiral is going to play into this also. So um, it's like you said, Terrence, if you would have told me you're going to be reading a Batman and Robin uh, story that Batman and Robin is just in flashback, and in present day, it's just the Robins, which I guess with me, I, I'd be like, oh, great, that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's cool. So I, I was just, like, wait a minute, Rob, that's <laughs> just up your alley. Right. But I always like Batman and Robin working together when they can, and this is all of the Robins having to rely on each other and everything they've been taught about Batman, Uh, which I can see why this is one of the books celebrating 75 years of Robin and going, we're going to show you how important all of the Robins and Batgirls and the whole entire Bat family is that they are just as important without Batman. And we're going to show you a story of how important they are and Batman is nowhere around. I think they're telling a really good uh, story here that from – I'm glad this isn't monthly – Because it'd be killing me from month to month going, I got to wait an entire month. So it's cool to know I got a book next week. I only got to wait seven more days. So um, I couldn't be happier with this uh, series so far. Um, And I'm excited for the next uh, four or five days to know that I can go pick up the next book and and see that, you know, um, I don't believe we're going to go right to Spiral with it saying, you know, up next St. Dumas. I think we're going to go right back to Tim and Jason and Bane and see. Uh, maybe what Jean-Paul's doing, so um, I yes. couldn't be happier. Well,
2: the the preview for 15 dropped in the last couple of days, and um, you're absolutely right. We're going to see Tim and Jason facing off against Azrael, which should make you really
1: happy. Yes, So I couldn't be happier. Um, any final thoughts before we close out uh, Episode 4 for the month of January, guys?
2: I think we're going from, from strength to strength in this title. I think it keeps building on itself, and... I'm very excited for the next. Um, what's it? Three months? I think three months. Three
1: yeah. months. Yeah. Uh, Terrence.
0: Yeah, I I hope this um, series. I hope the series does well because I really like the weekly format, and I hope. Um, I know with the digital comics, they've been doing a lot more of that, but um, I have to see more weekly comics, and I like the. Um, I like the limit, the, it's sort of like a maxi limited series, like that it's not like a six or a 12 issue, but a 28 where you feel like there is a begiddle <laughs> a beginning, a middle, and an end, a begindle. uh, a, you know, uh, as opposed to just, okay, here's this comic. And if I like it, it will go on forever and I will be reading it when I'm 80. Right. You know, I, I really like that feel. I, I really like the feel that this, comic has and, and I've liked that in like uh when fifty two came out and the um brightest day and uh Justice League International they had and uh some of the other weekly comics that have been out there. Um so I, I hope this
1: is you know a sign of the way things will go. Cool. Excellent. Uh well I think that's gonna wrap it up for episode four of Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. I'd like to thank uh Terrence and Ian both for uh coming on again and uh, helping celebrate 75 years of probably in this case more dick grayson but robin as a whole uh make sure you stop by all the other uh podcasts on the batman universe check out ian's uh write-ups that he does for uh, the many books that he is reviewing for the batman uh, universe uh terrence and i have two other podcasts currently going on in the batman universe uh we'll be wrapping up the robin war coming up here uh, in probably the next week or so. The second issue of that got pushed back a week or the information that we had when we were putting the podcast together I think might have been off just a touch. And then Terrence and I just finished up another episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys in a month. And uh, head over to the Facebook page as it will be regularly updated and we can continue the conversation over there. So on behalf of Ian, Terrence, I'm Rob, and we will see you guys next month here on the Batman Universe. listening to Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. This show is part of the Batman Universe Specials and has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. The thoughts and opinions are the thoughts and opinions of the four knuckleheads that are talking. What could they possibly know? They read comics for crying out loud. Batman and all related characters are under the copyright of DC Comics. All music and sound clips are under their respective copyright holders as well. And are used for illustrative purposes. So no lawyers need to get involved as the show makes no money. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So no infringement is intended. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by going through our Facebook page. www.facebook.com slash Batman and Robin Eternal. Or in the search, you can type in Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. And that will lead you directly to us. You can also leave a message over at the universe.net as the Batman Universe hosts this show, so I definitely suggest to go over there and peruse everything that the Batman Universe has to offer. You can leave a comments into the current episodes in the comments section. Or you can email me directly, rob at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's r one zero m-y-e-r-s at yahoo.com and title the message Batman and Robin Eternal or myself or Terrence or Ian or Luke will read the email in the show thanks for listening to the Batman Universe Specials production of Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast we will see you soon take care
3: A city of love A city of peace for every one of us cause we all need can't live without it, Gotham City, yeah. dead in the middle of stormy weather, we won't stumble and we won't far, I know a place that offers shelter.